So for the past two years, I've been doing some reporting that has brought me to corners of the internet that I wish I didn't know about. I've been investigating one particular neo-Nazi terrorist organization that was doing something new, using the model of far-right internet organizing and mixing it with the structures of recent jihadist groups to try and become some kind of white power ISIS. There's a lot to explain, so we're going to do something a bit different on the show. This is the first in a two-part series, and this is part one, the birth of a base. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. Uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. Okay, so Jason Kebler, boss of all things motherboard. For this series, you say my full name. Thank you, Ben. Hello. <laughs> I wanted to bring you into the studio in part to show you in detail what I've been reporting on and also just have someone here to explain all this shit to. Happy to be here. I'll be your, uh, your sounding board. Go for it. I want to play you some tape. File two, leaderless resistance. As you know, I've been listening to a lot of heavy stuff online, and this this is one snippet. Is leaderless guerrilla warfare possible? And can it be used effectively to achieve victory? To answer this question, let's first briefly define what can realistically be considered a victory for any type of guerrilla force today. So this is a guy named Norman Spear speaking on his own podcast shared among neo-Nazis online. Guerrillas are political soldiers engaged in revolutionary struggle. But it's not all that widely heard by outsiders because it keeps getting put up and taken down. As far as we can tell, this one is from 2017, and it's the first known recording of Spears' voice that sort of was widely heard. And as you can tell, he's mapping out his interest in guerrilla warfare. Contemporary guerrilla warfare against an advanced conventional military force can only end in one of two ways. Either victory through a negotiated settlement or defeat of the guerrillas. There is no other possible outcome. Now, obviously, the internet is full of ranting and raving about white supremacists and their fever dreams. But what is different about this, about Spear in particular, is that he went from this recording to having a full-blown neo-Nazi terror group within a matter of years. Turning now to other news, new arrests investigators say are tied to what authorities describe as a neo-Nazi group. But they got busted earlier this year, right? They did, this January. The three men face weapons charges for building a functioning assault rifle and are alleged to be members of a white supremacist group known as The Base, which calls for violence against minorities with slogans like, save your race. Nine members of Spears' group, The Base, were arrested, and some are now facing charges for things like an assassination plot, ghost gun making, hiding a fugitive. They talked about bombing the power grid, derailing trains, and carrying out a mass shooting. Right, so we sort of know how the story ends, but you've been following this group for a few years now. Um, you sort of started looking at them in their infancy. 
Where does this all come from? Okay, so let's actually start in 2014 with ISIS. In Mosul today, we saw sporadic gunfire and burning military vehicles. There are a lot of beginnings, but for me, this is where this story really starts. Many Iraqi soldiers dropped their weapons and vanished. So as you know, Jason, I was reporting these ISIS fighters who were using the internet to not only recruit and spread propaganda, but to intimidate, commission attacks, create networks in an online community to make real world violence. The internet was clearly their battlefield and it was working. One independent study estimates that between 16 and 17,000 from more than 90 countries have streamed into Syria and Iraq to join militant Islamic groups. They were the new Al Qaeda. They include about 3,300 Westerners. Recruiting new converts is key to the strategy of Islamic State militant group leader Abu Bakir al-Baghdadi. And the real difference between ISIS and AQ was that this was the millennial generation taking charge of the jihadist moment, and their propaganda, their imagery was cool, and it looked good. Masked guys, dressed in all black, carrying Kalashnikovs, storming across the desert, and they were winning. You have plotted against us and gone far out of your way to find reasons to interfere in our affairs. Burning their passports in bonfires to show they're no longer part of this system. And it also served its intended purpose, which was to be terrifying. Today, your military air force is attacking us daily in Iraq. The execution of journalist James Foley by Jihadi John in August of 2014 was a serious turning point. Yeah, so for me, that was when I first heard of ISIS, I think. it's It was one of the very few moments where I can remember exactly where I was. So I was sitting in the old Vice office, and the link just went around like wildfire. I think it was originally posted on Twitter, maybe. And it was one of those things that I really couldn't believe I was watching and everyone at the office was sort of watching it happen in real time. And everyone clicked off kind of at the same time because you realized what was going to happen. And and the thing that was really scary for me was, you know, he was sort of talking in this posh British accent almost. Yeah, he was talking with this posh British accent. I mean, I remember actually seeing this in the motherboard chat. This is how long ago it was. It was nauseating. It was, it was horrifying. It was horrifying. So it was exactly that. He spoke perfect, you know, British accented English. And in the video they shot the execution, he spoke straight to the camera. And then without even changing the camera angle or flinching, he beheads James Foley. And then he points the knife straight at the viewer. And like that image, that, that video distilled and amplified the rage-filled identity of this new group, you know, ISIS. I think it became the boogeyman. I think this moment changed everything in what modern terrorism would look like. This is James Wright Foley, an American citizen of your country. As a government, you have been at the forefront of the aggression towards the Islamic State. But, you know, it was also evidence of a British kid taking his morbid destiny into his own hands. You know, Jihadi John was actively enacting this revolutionary bloodlust. We are an Islamic army and a state that has been accepted by a large number of Muslims worldwide. So any attempt by you, Obama, to deny the Muslims their rights of living in safety under the Islamic Caliphate will result in the bloodshed of your people. But what I didn't realize at the time was that this whole ISIS thing would inspire another side of the political spectrum. 
And while the war in Syria and Iraq, you know, it would spin out of control, as we all know, and continues to do so, it would have this cascading set of consequences, like... The brutality of ISIS and the ongoing war in Syria have triggered an epic humanitarian crisis. The biggest Sparking, in part, the migrant crisis. Desperate men, women, and children by the tens of thousands, mostly from Syria, fleeing in overcrowded boats, many drowning along the way, all hoping to reach the Greek islands and safety. Things like the war in Syria and the refugee crisis and just fear of ISIS has contributed to this like globalized nativism, xenophobia, and racism, which has always been there, of course, but I think a lot of people are now saying the quiet part out loud in a really scary way. Something that really stood out to me was, you know, you had these people coming from the US and Canada and Europe going to the Middle East to learn, and then they were sending their supporters back home. And this is from outside the Bataclan Theater. Thousand people were inside listening to an American rock band, the Eagles of Dream Metal, performing as terrorists stormed that concert hall. Yeah, exactly. And, and at the time, as you know, I was talking to these guys, these would-be terrorists back home in Canada who were going over from the U.S. as well, and they actually got me in a bit of trouble. Uh, and that time, I really got to know what they were like. Yeah, I mean, I think we could do a full podcast series about this for longtime listeners of Cyber. Uh, ben, I, well, tell me what happened, Ben. Like, let, let's do, let's give the very quick, quick rundown here. Quick rundown. I was talking to a bunch of guys in ISIS and Al Qaeda in 2014. One of them was a particularly bad guy who was Canadian, and he was with ISIS, and he was a spokesperson. His name was Mohammed Farah Shirdan. This is a message to Canada and all the American Tawarit. We are coming and we will destroy you, bidnillahi ta'ala. After Sham, after Iraq, after Jazeera, we are going for you, Barack Obama. And basically, the Canadian FBI demanded I give up all the information on him. I didn't. It ended up going through all of the, the layers of courts in Canada, Supreme Court. Continued to refuse to give it up. Almost went to jail. Sheeran gets killed in the yeah, CIA. I mean, drama. this is something that's hung over you for ever <laughs> since I've known you. I mean, this is one of the first stories that I remember you doing at Motherboard back in 2014. Uh, it was soon after I started at Motherboard. And, uh, you know, it only resolved itself within the last year. Yeah. Uh, as it sort of got appealed up the the ranks of the, you know, I don't know your court system very well, but eventually ending in the Supreme Court. And that was something I was always impressed that you continue to do this work while uh, you had this hanging over you, which this is not a Ben, uh, ben fan podcast, but I think that's like you've been in this world for a really long time. Totally. And I thank you for that. I, I was, I've been in this world and I watched this happen. And then essentially, you know, I kind of started watching it happen again. So here we are like 13 years removed from 9-11 and terrorists are my age now. And what I started to realize is there's a specific path to jihad. You know, these young, pretty universally angry guys are being recruited from an online network using kind of over-the-counter social media sites like Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. They read all the same literature, Anwar al-Awlaki, bin Laden, and they radicalize, and they get sucked into this jihadi highway to Iraq and Syria. I mean, now it's different, but that's what they get sucked into. And now, of course, as we all know, this becomes a terrorism phenomenon. ISIS becomes a cultural and geopolitical specter. And back home, it not only incites rage and fear, but, you know, it inspires and provides a blueprint for an unlikely set of people. The suspect is Dylan Storm Roof. 
He is 21 years old and he apparently hates black people, hates them enough to kill them. During all of this, in the background of these mass shootings, there are people organizing. The suspect in today's mass shooting at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh had an extensive anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish digital footprint. And it's not just one-off so-called lone wolf actors. Off the area surrounding the Quebec City Islamic Cultural Center as armed officers entered the mosque. It was during evening prayers on Sunday that witnesses say gunmen opened fire on 40 worshippers inside. But there are groups of American citizens organizing and seeing themselves as more of a kind of American Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and not something like the Klan. And they're here in the United States. Right. So because you have this context from reporting on ISIS so long, and you start to see white nationalist terrorists do the same thing, you're able to like draw a parallel between the two. I've just been really impressed that you've gotten the access you have. Like We're going to go inside some of these groups, right? Yes, exactly. Neo-Nazis. I just went where the terrorism was going. More on that after the break. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So I've edited a lot of the stories you've run about the base and neo-Nazis over the last couple of years. And watching over your shoulder, one thing that's really stuck out to me is the fact that ISIS inspired these neo-Nazis who are extremely racist. Like that's their whole ideology. They're racist towards people of color, which obviously includes people from the Middle East. Absolutely. But I'm not saying that the rise of neo-Nazism comes from ISIS. (laughs) It doesn't. But This form of the millennial take on terrorism unmistakably does, because the U.S. has nurtured racism in its own right. I mean, slavery was an institution, and of course, the KKK was in many ways a terrorist organization. But ISIS shows young men in the here and now, they can pick up a weapon and get revenge on the system, on the government, on the society that they feel let them down. And that's the motivation for some of these people. This is also about personal dissatisfaction and unhappiness with what they see as their own opportunities in this country, and it's and it being limited, mixed with a disgusting Nazi racist worldview. And that's what I see time and again when I report on these kinds of guys, which actually is not totally dissimilar to what drove young people to ISIS. Right, and they organize the same way. I mean, this works for a lot of different groups online. Uh, You know, they use chat apps like Discord, they use subreddits, they use forums. But what are the specifics of sort of the the neo-Nazi internet? How does that work? Neo-Nazis and white supremacists often recruit new members through online forums. Enter Iron March. And before it was shut down in 2017, Iron March was one of the most popular. 
it was sort of essentially a 4chan for hardcore violent neo-Nazis. Basically, at this point in 2014, 2015, young angry guys start congregating on this site with aliases and notagares, just like the ISIS fighters would use, trading literature from the Turner Diaries. On the day of the bombing, when Timothy McVeigh was driving away from the attack, he carried with him an envelope with several sheets of paper in it. Among those sheets were pages copied out of the Turner Diaries. It had highlighted sections that talked about the purpose of terrorism. The Turner Diaries is basically this, this fantasy neo-Nazi militant Bible where, you know, this terrorist group called the Order goes out and, and begins this, you know, this, this race war. Uh, and it was written, I believe, in the 70s. It's this huge following with, with gun enthusiasts, with racists, and it kind of made the tour of American gun fairs, actually. That's where originally it was being traded. And Timothy McVeigh, obviously the bomber of the Oklahoma City FBI buildings and a nursery in it, was a huge proponent of it. Right. And so there's essentially like a neo-Nazi book club. There's like a bunch of books that neo-Nazis read to get radicalized. Yes. In fact, some of them will actually, within these groups, will say it's a book club. It's the Turner Diaries book club or the most influential thing of all, James Mason's Siege. What's that? So it was written in the 80s. It's basically this neo-Nazi insurgency Bible slash like newsletter. And it's advocating for political assassinations, bombings, mass murder, all in the service of a race war and accelerating the decay and hastening the collapse of society. So a white ethnostate can rise from its ashes. A lot of white nationalists are like obsessed with Siege and put out these sort of commands to others to read it, like uh, in this clip. Read Siege by James Mason. Stop being a white liberal. Liberalism is what got us into this mess. Read Siege by James Mason. Stop being a liberal. James Mason, who's the author, argues in that book that to do this, it means creating an insurgent terror group that commits racially inspired attacks and can covertly press society into this sort of this racist revolution. Yeah, and so so this uh, this mantra and this ideology it inspires real world action. Yeah, and actually it kicks back up again and kind of gets this rekindled interest on Iron March and among these users, and they start reading Siege. And long story short, plan online to create an IRL group, and one of those ends up being the Adam Waffen Division. At your house, swastika filled flyers with messages like two can play this game" and "Our patience has its limits" included spaces for neo-Nazis to write the names of reporters they were targeting, and the phrase "You have been visited by your local Nazis." And they vowed to accelerate the collapse of civilization using violence, mass murder, hate, and threat. Charging documents against. Okay, tell me about Adam Waffen Division. So these guys are bad. They were all mostly millennial young men, angry, deeply racist, some of them on active duty in the military, uh, while some of them were veterans of the war and terror years. And they wanted to plan and create their own neo-Nazi ISIS of sorts. And they openly venerated bin Laden and they saw their blueprint. And they created these paramilitary training camps called hate camps that were predominantly uh, carried out in Death Valley, Nevada. And they would do these military drills and all these, you know, these different paramilitary activities together. As the beginning of the end commences, the Adamoffin division will find no rest. Then they create this slick propaganda out of these, these hate camps. We will vanquish the modern world in totality without negotiation. 
And, you know, what do you know? In these clips, there's calls for violence against the state, violent threats to the enemy. Men dressed in balaclavas, dark clothing, holding military-styled rifles, and burning flags. What should happen following the turn of the 21st century, but that more young people should bring forth the Atomwaffen division? Yeah, so this was like a few years after the height of ISIS propaganda, but this reminded me a lot of ISIS propaganda, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was, if it wasn't produced with ISIS in mind, it was produced with ISIS in mind subconsciously or without them even realizing it. Now, the FBI eventually cracks down on this group, arresting multiple members for things as far-ranging as murder to swatting people in the Trump administration. Adam Waffen Division's founder, Brandon Russell, goes to jail after being caught by the FBI with the same types of explosives as Timothy McVeigh. He's the Oklahoma City bomber. And the whole thing starts getting exposed. When you say lone wolf attacks, it sounds to me like you're talking about basically terrorist acts. ProPublica and journalist Jake Hanrahan publish a series of reports after gaining internal access to the group's encrypted communications. They don't see themselves as terrorists, rather they see the United States as the ultimate terrorist. Like what Adolf Hitler said, how do you meet terrorism? You meet it with stronger terrorism. In this ProPublica investigation, what are they seen discussing? Well, it's, uh, it's pretty shocking. They discuss all sorts of things. Attacks on a nuclear power plant, more paramilitary training. But the group really suffers from its own immaturity and basically kind of flames out. They're all young guys who are a little enraged and not cool-headed enough to pull off a covert network. Right. So, I mean, obviously they've been linked to murders. They're super scary. They're very slick. Uh, you know, they have this slick propaganda. And they have very lofty ambitions in terms of their targets and that sort of thing. But they weren't, you know, the substance wasn't necessarily there. And, and they're not thriving anymore, right? Not really. So there's a string of arrests over the course of about two years. And by winter 2020... This is a press announcement from James Mason. James Mason himself announces their demise. I got the audio from a source. On the evening of March 9th of this year, I was approached by members of the group known as Atom Waffen Division with the request that I make the official announcement of that group's disbanding. Effective at once. But in the midst of all this, here's the thing. Something I'd say that is probably better organized comes along in its stead, picking up where Adam Waffen left off in a more intelligent way, kind of learning from its mistakes and billing itself as this decentralized nationwide cell network. The base. Gorillas don't have the military strength to defeat most conventional militaries around the world today. That's why revolutionaries use guerrilla tactics in the first place. It's not by choice. It is out of necessity. Next time on Cyber, part two of the base. Train, fight, organize. We bring you inside.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.